Welcome to Investing Compass. Before we begin, a quick note that the information contained in this podcast is general in nature. It does not take into consideration your personal objectives, financial situations, or needs. And we have a competition today, Mark. We do. We always get asked for book recommendations. And if you listen to our Christmas episode, which came out around Christmas, <laughs> we said that an investment in knowledge is one of the best gifts you can give an investor. So that is the spirit of this competition. So we have a few copies of The Little Book That Builds Wealth by Pat Dorsey. And there's a forward in there by our founder, Joe Mansueto. And the book provides a framework to identify companies that can sustain high returns on capital which basically just means they have moats and why that actually matters. Mm -hmm, that's right, Mark. And getting your hands on one of the copies is pretty simple. You've just got to leave a rating and a comment through your podcast app for us. Email us to the email in the episode notes and let us know you've done that so we know who you are. We'll run this competition until the 31st of July and then pick our winners. All right. So, Shani, we have actually recorded this episode twice already. Twice already. <laughs> so this is this is the third time. And do you want to talk a little bit about why this has happened? Yeah. So we, we're obviously in lockdown. We're in Sydney and um, we recorded it twice and we both had to get those headsets that make you look like an airline pilot. And we sounded awful on it. It was pretty unbearable to listen to. Yeah, <laughs> you like, just heard us breathing, basically. Yeah, yeah. It was like one of those serial killer recordings that you always hear that the police release and they're just breathing. That, that and you always listen to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and part of the reason part of the reason that Shawnee was breathing so much is because I, of course, was at my apartment and the guy that lives below me <laughs> feeds lorikeets. So they're all sitting in a tree chirping. And I could just hear them in the background. Yeah. So and Shawnee is, and Shawnee is obviously rate. terrified of birds. So that's why she was breathing so heavy. <laughs> But uh, I don't know. I guess I don't have an excuse for me. But anyway, the sound quality was pretty bad. Mm -hmm. And I, but I did get to live out my fantasy of looking like a pilot. Exactly. For a little bit. Exactly. So. <laughs> that's not that's not quite the same as flying a plane. No. But, but. you know what we should do? You know, um, in Darling Harbor, you can go and, and do, do that simulator. simulator? Yeah. yeah. Have you ever done that? I have. But so my dad's an aircraft engineer. So he had those ones that you could do on PC. And I used to do that when I was younger. But yeah, maybe I could. I can already fly a plane. Maybe I just need to jump in. Yeah, maybe let's start with a virtual plane <laughs> before we uh, send you off to the airport. Although there's a couple planes sitting around there that aren't being used, so yeah. you, can, uh, you can get on that. All right, so let's start this episode for the third time. Mm -hmm. So I think today's episode is going to be really fun because it was fun the first couple times, mm -hmm. and I think it's also going to make us very unpopular in social media. So I'm, of course, used to being unpopular, Shawnee. <laughs> As you remind me every single day, but this is going to be a new thing for you. So are you nervous? Yeah, um, I do get pretty apprehensive about confrontation, but I'm also pretty passionate about educating investors um, because I know that investing can transform lives. So I'm not nervous. I'm going to try and be excited about this, but I know it's probably going to bring on a firestorm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we've, we've delayed it a little bit, so we're releasing this a little late, but you know, better late than never. So yeah, today during our episode, we are going to examine some systemic forces that are altering the way that investors seek and receive financial advice. And we believe these changes that are happening are actually going to impact all investors. But today's episode started with something posted on TikTok. Now, Shani downloaded TikTok onto my phone like maybe a year ago at this point. Mm -hmm. um, but a couple And you only solely use it when I send you memes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But uh, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, you did just that, right? You sent me something. Yeah. 
And it was a post by Victoria Devine that was talking about saving money. And we'll get into who Victoria Devine is in a bit, but let's talk about that post first. Yeah. So the post starts out with Victoria saying, do you want to create an investment portfolio that pays $100,000 each and every single year? She then explains that if you start at the age of 20 and invest $500 each month and get an average return of 7.5% by the time you reach 60, you would have an investment portfolio worth $1.5 million. She then says that the $1.5 million portfolio would pay you $112,000 a year. After she explains what happens if you delay savings and the impact it would make. But Mark, I know you have some stuff to say about this, so let's hear it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's a little hard to know where to start here. But uh, yeah, let's break this down a little bit. So the math basically checks out on the portfolio. There's a little bit of rounding up, but you know, that's okay. But uh, let's talk about this $115,000 a year at age 60. So as people probably know, taking $115,000 a year out of a $1.5 million portfolio is a 7.6% withdrawal rate. And, you know, that is way, way too high. So we've done an episode on the 4% rule. And so I'm not going to go back through all of that again. But basically what it is, is it was calculated as a safe withdrawal rate for retirees to have their portfolio last 30 years in retirement. So let's talk through her scenario. So I, of course, don't know what a assumptions she made to make any of those statements um, that you can start taking 7.6% out of your portfolio at age 60, but I modeled some of these things out. So we'll put together a best case scenario here. So, And by best case, we mean pretty unrealistic. But as you retire at 60, let's say you keep 80% of your portfolio in equities and you earn a 7.5% return and then you earn a 2% return on the 20% in fixed interest and you know let's not kid ourselves that is that is pretty aggressive that's an aggressive asset allocation but let's also assume that there's no inflation which we know is absolutely not true and let's assume that the return on both equities and fixed interest are smooth. So basically, it means you're going to earn the same return every single year. So that means you don't have the bad luck to retire in the year 2000, where we had a decade of negative equity returns, or right before the GFC. So with this rosy scenario, you run out of money at the age of 89. Now, this may seem like a lot of time, but if you make it to 65 years of age, your life expectancy, the average life expectancy for a man is around 20 years and a woman is 22 years. And so remember, this is 65, five years after she says we can start taking this money out. So on average, you're getting very, very close to running out of money in this scenario. Yeah. And obviously, this is a completely unrealistic situation that you've used. So what happens if we try and make it a little bit more realistic? Okay, so let's change a couple of these assumptions to to try to do just that, Shawnee. So if we put in a 2.2% inflation rate, which is our forecast here at Morningstar, and we change the asset allocation to 60-40, so 60% equities, 40% fixed interest, we get a completely different outcome. Now, all of a sudden, you run out of money at 77. Now, if I'm 20 years old right now, and I expect to retire at 60 and only be retired for 17 years I'm probably going to be pretty disappointed. And the biggest risk to all of this and any sort of retirement scenario is the assumption that returns will be smooth and increase by the same amount every year. We just know this isn't happening. And the whole point of the 4% rule was to come up with a safe withdrawal rate that everyone could use and not worry about running out of money. So if we go back to the original 4% rule calculations, which assume a 50% allocation to equities at retirement, 
and we look at real-life return scenarios, we can see that a 7.6% withdrawal rate gives us more than a 50% chance of running out of money in 20 years and a 90% chance of running out of money in 30 years. And nobody in their right mind would take that probability at 60. So as we said at the beginning, this TikTok was the driving force for what's going to be a two-part podcast. But the purpose, of course, in all of this is not to be self-righteous about what we are seeing online. That's right, Mark. And we hope that it's clear that what we're doing and what we're going to describe in today's episode is not about pointing out bad financial advice as amusement for more sophisticated investors. It's about pointing out that bad financial advice and speculation has the potential to impact all investors from the most conservative and sophisticated to the most reckless and naive. Yeah. So, Shani, there, there's also been a couple things in the news lately that have recently happened, which provided a further impetus for this episode. And, you know, the two of us have been talking about this topic for a long time. Um, but basically, the first one was an article in the AFR last week, now two weeks ago, talking about the response of Joe Longo. And he's a new commissioner of ASIC to a question that he received in Parliament. And ASIC, of course, is responsible for regulating financial advice in Australia. Yeah. So the question he was asked is, what are his thoughts on social media influencers giving financial advice? And the ASIC commissioner basically said that, yes, he was worried. They were studying it. And then he called for people to turn in these social media influencers to the agency if they were violating securities laws by providing advice without a license. Yeah. So turning people in is the new thing, right? So (laughs) we want to turn people in for providing financial advice on social media without uh, a license. Of course, turn people in that are violating COVID rules. Yeah, dubbing Um, people in from Sydney who are going out to their regional houses. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. It is like East Germany in 1965 here. But uh, but anyway, let's ignore that for a second. And we can focus on the first part of the statement. So The statement to Parliament obviously probably flew under the radar for most investors, but unleashed a firestorm amongst this community of Finfluencers, and that's financial influencers. That's what we call financial influencer. So let's take a step back and paint a picture of what this Finfluencer community community actually is, because people may not be aware of what is happening on social media. So Shani, what's going on on social media? Big question, right? (laughs) Yeah. Where should I start? Exactly. Um, So um, people giving financial advice has sprung up everywhere across the internet and social media, and they've amassed a huge flock of followers. There are influencers on Instagram and TikTok. There are Facebook groups and Reddit boards, and there are YouTube channels, all offering guidance on budgeting, saving, and investing. And people can't get enough. The vast majority of the people giving this guidance are in ASIC speak, unlicensed, which means that they don't have a license to provide financial advice. Yeah, and we should be clear that having a license to provide advice doesn't mean that you know what you're talking about or that you're providing good financial advice. So the qualifications are minimal, and we've all heard about all the abuses that were exposed in the Hain Royal Commission that looked into financial advice. But the many sins of the industry do not absolve the people that are giving this oftentimes terrible financial advice on social media and other internet forums. And this applies to both unlicensed and licensed influencers, because believe it or not, there are some licensed financial advisors that are built building large audiences online and then using those audiences to sell products, financial products and otherwise. And at the heart of this firestorm within the community that has erupted in the past few weeks is the same person who put out the TikTok post we described earlier, and that is Victoria Devine. Yeah, so Victoria Devine is 
perhaps a preeminent influencer in Australia. So she is a licensed financial advisor. She's the director and co-founder of a financial advice practice named Zella down in Melbourne. And she's amassed a huge audience. So she has 111,000 followers on Instagram, 170,000 on Facebook. And she is one of the most popular podcasts in Australia, which is called She's on the Money, which has 11 million monthly downloads. Victoria Devine has this financial advice practice, but she's also using the audience she amassed to sell products. She recently released a book she wrote, but she also has been promoting other products. And these products include women's underwear, eyeglasses, and using BPay. And then a couple months back, she launched a financial product. Yeah, so she created a white-labeled version of SixPark, which is an ETF robo-advice platform. And by white-labeled, basically, she put a cover page on her website that just leads into SixPark. And the page is peach in color, I'm told. I'm colorblind, so I have to rely <laughs> on you, Shani, for, uh, for things like that. And it proclaims that savvy investing begins when an investment plan that fits like your favorite pair of jeans. And once you get past this page, you simply go into SixPark regular sign-up process, which involves a risk tolerance questionnaire, followed by a recommended portfolio of ETFs. So basically just robo-advice. Yeah. And we talked about how we feel about robo-advice and Six Park is no different. We don't like the risk tolerance approach to picking a portfolio and we're concerned about the fee levels. Six Park has a 5K minimum investment. And if your account balance is between 5K and $19,999, you pay $9.95 a month. I can't express how expensive that is. On a 5K balance, you're paying 2.38% a year in fees. On top of this fee, you pay an another 0.25% in fees on the underlying ETS. That is 2.63% of fees a year on a 5K portfolio. For that fee level, you could just pay a trade commission at any number of brokers and buy the ETS directly each month. Yeah. And so obviously that percentage drops if your balance increases, but that of course is if your balance increases. So if you were unfortunate enough to invest in the S&P 500 on January 1st, 2000, a decade later, including dividends, you would have earned a return of negative 0.95%. And that is of course before you paid your 2.63% a year in fees. Now, the fee levels of Six Park isn't any different for Victoria Devine's white-labeled version versus just the regular version, but the criticism that erupts for this product was because Victoria Devine made what many people considered ambiguous statements about how she was getting paid by Sixpark, which she has described as an advertising fee, and maybe that's what she got for promoting eyeglasses. But Sixpark came out and said that they were paying her a revenue sharing agreement, which they were very, very careful to distinguish from a referral fee because that might soon be banned by ASIC. But either way, it seems like she has a financial interest in how many of her followers she can get to sign up. So this controversy ran straight into the statement by the Commissioner of ASIC, where Victoria Devine was able to regain the high ground again because she is actually licensed. Yeah, and all of this back and forth is happening against the backdrop of giant changes in the financial advice industry. That's right, Mark. There are large-scale changes going on in the financial advice industry in Australia, and unfortunately, the result has been bad for most Australians. On the back of the Hain Royal Commission, we've seen some changes to the financial advice industry. There is more regulation, and there are higher educational standards for advisors, and those are both probably good things, and they come after really egregious things were uncovered during the Royal Commission. So the impact of these changes has been really profound and really quick, which is, of course, how I wish I was actually described. But Shawnee, 
you describe me as superficial and measured. So, uh, so yeah, a little bit different. But anyway, let's talk about this effect. 2020, the median fee for professional financial advice rose by 16% to $3,256. And over the past two years, fees have risen by 30%. The other big effect is that financial advisors are leaving the industry in droves. 10% of financial advisors left the industry in 2020 alone. The workforce is expected to halve by 2023. And of course, when you have higher fees and less advisors, the number of advised Australians fall. The number of Australians who currently are getting financial advice dropped from 12.2% to 11.2% in 2020. Yeah, and this last point may be obvious, but guess who's actually getting advice? Very wealthy people. So basically, if you're older and don't have a ton of money, or if you're just getting started, you are out of luck. Morningstar Premium is designed to help you reach your investing goals. Our coverage spans over 50,000 securities and 2,000 funds and ETFs. Sign up to a four-week free trial through the link in the episode notes to access our global equity best ideas for our topics across borders. Find shares with sustainable, above-average dividend payouts and the best opportunities at home with five-star Aussie stocks. A Morningstar Premium subscription includes a ShareSide investor plan, allowing you to track all of your investment holdings in one place. And take advantage of ShareSite's investment performance and tax reporting that has been built specifically for the needs of self-directed investors. If you love premium after your four-week trial and choose to subscribe, your subscription may be tax-deductible if you derive income from the share market. Sign up for a free trial today. So during 2020, while prices for advice were going up and advisors were quitting the business, we had another profound thing happen. Two million new investors have started investing in the past two years. 900,000 people intend to start investing in the next 12 months. And who are these new investors? Many of them are millennials. Yeah. And and this is why it's really important to have empathy for the investors that are consuming this content because they've been let down by the entire financial services industry and the very regulators who had years to fix the system and have now decided that they are going after people on social media as misguided as those people may actually be. So investors are trying to do the right thing, but they don't have anywhere to turn or anyone qualified to help them. And to come full circle, it is perhaps Victoria Devine that put this best. In an interview with the AFR, she said, talking about the challenge of delivering financial education online, I'm aware that there are other financial advisors who have found it too hard to navigate this space, but I believe strongly that there's value in bringing my experience as an advisor. Yeah, and what Victoria Devine knows is that investors are turning to social media to get advice. So according to the Wall Street Journal, 38% of millennials say they follow financial influencers or finfluencers on social media to keep up to date. So we've been spending some time looking at the quality of advice being given and yeah, let's just say we've, we've got some concerns. So we're trying to walk a fine line. We're excited that so many new investors are entering the market. I'm especially excited that so many of the new investors are women. I'm not so excited that many of the people that they're turning to are giving them poor advice. Yeah, and the reason we are upset about this crappy advice is not because we're being snobs. It's because we want these new investors to stay investing for the long term. That means having realistic expectations, and it means understanding what you're doing. So we understand that with anything new, there's certainly a learning curve, and it takes time to gain sophistication. But anything you do learn needs to be grounded in reality. So before we get into the quality of financial advice that people are getting through Finfluencers, let's revisit that TikTok post that we talked about at the beginning of this episode. So somebody made a comment on 
Victoria Devine's post asking if she took inflation into account. And her answer to that comment was pretty interesting. She said, and and I'll quote here, can you imagine how complex a TikTok becomes if you talk about inflation too? This is about motivating. So what do you think about this statement, Shani? Yeah, so I have a few thoughts. Um, I will admit that my first reaction is pretty negative. Some things in life are hard, and there is a pretty big correlation between things being hard and them being worth it. And investing is hard, and it's complex, and making it seem easy doesn't really do anything good for anybody. I would also say that inflation isn't really one of the hard parts of investing. We aren't asking anyone to predict inflation here. We're just asking people to understand that in the future, a dollar will be able to purchase less than it does today. On the other hand, as someone who has worked in the financial services industry my whole career, I know the industry deliberately makes things seem more complex than they are to convince people that they can't do it without help. Help that often costs a lot of money. I also know that many people give up because they don't think they can do it themselves. Yeah. So I think that's a really great way to put it, Shani. And I think that's the message we're trying to get across here at Morningstar. So achieving a better financial outcome isn't easy. It takes discipline and it takes effort to gain the knowledge to do it successfully, but it's something that's achievable. And as you said, the statement saying that facts were left out to provide motivation is worrisome. And blaming it on the median, TikTok in this case, is even more worrisome. So TikTok wasn't created to provide financial advice. And if you're going to use that platform to do it, you probably should figure out a way that you can do it effectively. And at the end of the day, it really came down to one short phrase. She could have just said, in today's dollars. So it could be the medium of TikTok, or it could be the misleading facts about an unrealistic withdrawal rate or ignoring inflation. But all of this combines to give people expectations that can't be met. And that's our concern. And unrealistic expectations will be the downfall because they may motivate you to start, but they won't motivate you to keep going. And that's the thing about investing. It takes time. Compounding takes time and discipline to work. So let's revisit this example on TikTok. The notion was simple. Say $500 a month for 40 years with a 7.5% return, and you get $1.5 million. Well, that means that you need to keep doing it because after 35 years or 87% of the time that you're saving and investing, you would have less than $1 million or only around 64% of the total the total that you'd have after 40 years. So that's compounding. The last years are always going to result in the biggest dollar gain in your portfolio. So motivation is not just about starting. It's about perseverance. And that's a lens we'll use to evaluate the financial guidance we're seeing on social media because it isn't the intent of the person giving it and it isn't the knowledge of the person giving it or lack thereof because it isn't about the people giving the advice. It's about the people getting it because those are the people that are going to get hurt. And it's a disconnect between reality and expectations that cause people to give up. And for all the listeners that are scoffing at anyone who gets advice from TikTok or Instagram, just remember that when all these investors give up, it very well may be the trigger that turns the next correction into the next bear market. All right. So thank you for joining us part one of this two-part series. We hope we provided a bit of an overview about the challenge faced by new investors of all ages as they try and navigate a financial services industry and regulatory system that is not coming anywhere close to meeting the needs of investors. So in part two, we're going to dive a little deeper into these online forums, talk about why all investors should be worried about what is happening. And the interesting thing about recording this the third time is <laughs> I don't think you tuned in, but I got to watch the market lit conference. No, I didn't watch it. Okay. Well, you no. didn't miss anything. So <laughs> the Market Lit Conference was apparently the first conference. It was online. It was on Friday mm -hmm. that was specifically designed for millennials. And basically, it was a combination of Finfluencers presenting and then 
people presenting small cap and micro cap companies to these very investors. So basically a sales pitch on risk. Yes. Risky assets. Yeah. Okay. And and it was interesting. There was there was this influencer. There's been a lot of criticism in the papers around this issue because, yeah, you are you're pitching these very speculative investments to a group of people that are just getting started. And one of the influencers appearing saying this can't be bad because it's free. And the funny thing about this is it's free because the company that put on the conference was a public relations company that represented, I think, half of the companies that were pitching <laughs> these speculative investments, which was pretty funny, right? So what was your top takeaway from this? My top takeaway is that you would think it, with a group of people that is so engaged with Facebook, where they are, it's free, but they are selling your data, um, would have figured out the parallels between what was happening in this conference and what happens on Facebook, yeah. right? It's free <laughs> because they are pitching you investments. Like you are the audience. So of course, you don't have to pay. Mm -hmm. But anyway, we'll stop there. So remember the competition. So if you want that book, please, uh, please leave us a comment on your podcast platform and mail it into the email address that's in the episode notes. And, uh, and yeah, we will be back with part two soon. Any advice in this podcast is general advice or regulated financial advice under New Zealand law prepared by Morningstar Australasia Proprietary Limited and or Morningstar Research Limited without reference to your financial objectives, situations or needs. You should consider the advice in light of these matters and any relevant product disclosure statement before making any decision to invest. To obtain advice for your own situation, contact a financial advisor.